Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a great start to your Friday. It is a fantastic Friday because the thing is, is that at the very least today, we should get the official news on the finalization, uh, on the finalizing, forgive my lack of vocabulary, on the finalizing of the Eric Bledsoe and Jonas Valanciunas, Eric Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, and Jonas Valanciunas trade between New Orleans and Memphis. Also, that should mean that we should finally get some news on Ricky Zaire Williams being able to sign his rookie contract and officially becoming a part of the Grizzlies organization. We also should, hopefully over the weekend, get some news on Santi Aldama as well. Will the two rookies be on the Summer League teams? Will they be able to play in Vegas? All that information should come out over the next 24 to 48 hours. But as we wait for that news, it obviously is going to be a fun-filled weekend. Another game tonight versus the San Antonio Spurs as the Grizzlies wrap up the Salt Lake City portion of their summer league schedule, getting ready for their first game in Vegas as the premier event of the 2021 NBA Summer League takes place in Sin City. Obviously, you can follow the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsACC. Do want to say I know that we have run into a bit of an issue with our Twitter account, an unexpected issue. We are getting that resolved. So if you go to at Locked Locked on Grizz on Twitter. That should be resolved here in the near future. All of the great, all of the great stuff that we provide to you on the show will be delivered through my own Twitter account at Stats SAC for the foreseeable future. You again can follow myself at Stats SAC. My name is Sean Coleman. I'm a credentialed media member with the Grizzlies. I've been covering the Grizzlies for three years. Your host here at Locked on Grizzlies, your Grizzlies every day. In this episode, it's part two of our conversation with Chip Williams. Yesterday, we talked about the Jaron Jackson Jr. extension, talked about the Grizzlies' logic with their draft night decisions. In today's episode, it's all about the fit of Zaire Williams. How does he fit with Jaw? How does he fit with Jaron, what's the offense going to look like with Zaire as he gets into the system in a few years into the future, really starts to hopefully blossom? What does his development in year one mean for the possible future of Kyle Anderson in Memphis? All those things covered with Chip Williams, who you can find at chipwilliamsjr.com. We will have a special episode over the weekend to highlight any new news that comes out today or that deals with the Summer League, such as the addition of Zaire Williams and Santi Aldama to the Summer League roster. We've got you covered all weekend long, obviously leading up to the start of the 2021 NBA Summer League in Vegas. Enjoy this episode as we as this is part two of our great conversation with Chip Williams Jr. talking about how well Zaire Williams fits this Grizzlies team in the present and hopefully continues to be an even better fit going into the future. And that's the thing that we, you know, we'll, we'll start here and digging into a little bit is when it comes to how he fits this team. So obviously, you know, we, we talked about it before, Chip. You've got a crowded backcourt. You've got your franchise cornerstone and jaw. You've got some nice complimentary pieces. Melton Bain stand out around him. Then in the front court, you've got your franchise cornerstone and Jaron. You've got some nice complimentary pieces. You hope and Brandon Clark to bounce back, but also Xavier Tillman. But at that wing position, you had Kyle Anderson. And let's be honest, Kyle Anderson more better operates as a four. You got Dylan, who, you know, you would say is a part of your young core with confidence as a three, but you've got that big wing now. My question to you is this, first off, with the addition of Zaire Williams, my thought process would be, 
I'm not sure whether or not he gets much playing time this year, but I imagine his development is also going to have some impact on futures for guys who are already on the team, specifically Kyle Anderson. You trade Jonas away. You clearly show you're not going to invest in him long-term. Kyle Anderson maybe now makes a bit more sense, but could we see how Zaire Williams develops this year in a pre- precursor to the commitment that this Grizzlies team could make could make to Kyle Anderson long-term? Because I think Kyle makes more sense as a long-term piece for this franchise than a Tyus or a Grayson. Well, I absolutely agree. I, I am admittedly, it's actually funny, I'll, I'll let you on a, kind of a funny story, that the first article I ever wrote in my entire life was a piece essentially on a, a sports blog that I made up uh, begging the Grizzlies to draft Kyle Anderson the year he was coming out in the draft. Uh, I just, I love the guy. I loved watching him at UCLA. I thought he had this incredibly unique skill set that you just don't see from guys his size and what he does. And so I agree with you. I actually think that there is a good chance that unless they're blown away with some sort of trade offer, they'll probably make a pretty strong effort to keep Kyle around. You know, he's not super old and, you know, he's not 20, 21, 22, like a lot of the roster is, but he's not, you know, Jonas was turning 30. Like the odds of Jonas being who he is currently uh, when the Grizzlies are at the best version of what this team could be, is probably pretty low, right? Like he was going to be well into his mid thirties by that time, but Kyle's a couple years younger. I think that you could see him growing with this core, maybe even shift down to a four. If you let Zaire play on three, add some more play playmaking around it. I, you know, I'm with you. I, I don't like, it, it would truly shock me if Zaire was a starter at any point this season, it would be phenomenal because that means this guy is way ahead of schedule, uh, but he's a project. I mean, in the true sense of the word, if anyone listening to this takes anything away from this podcast, just understand it's going to take time for Zaire. This is not a plug and play guy like any of the guys they've drafted the last few years. Um, this is a true project that will take some time. I'm fascinated to see how they manage that. Obviously, Justice Winslow is no longer there. Um, his minutes are kind of available, although he didn't play a ton. So there's not like an obvious, okay, Justice played the whole season. He's now gone. His 17 minutes a game are now available for Zaire. No, they kind of just made a spot for him, right, at, towards the end of the year to see what it would look like. Um, so, like, does he get run with the Memphis Hustle? Like, what does that look like? I'm fascinated to see. I think he can probably play a pretty small role year one in the NBA, and I think that's what they'll want him to do. They want, you know, to start seeing what this looks like with Josh Aaron and some of the other guys out there. Um, but, yeah, that that is that is to me one of the most fascinating storylines of the whole season going into it is what does this role look like for Zaire? My guess would probably be like a 10 to 15-minute-per-game guy that – Maybe Jenkins lets him go up to 20 minutes or so if he starts playing well or maybe pulls it back to 8, 9, 10 if things are going poorly. I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated to see, but I know that I, I trust the, the coaching staff. I trust the front office, the entire organization, to invest a lot of time and put a lot of energy into Zaire's development because what he does complements what the other players on the roster do so well because he just does stuff that really no one else maybe outside of John Morant can do.
and that's the thing about it. You look at I can't. I don't have uh, Rashad Lewis's numbers in front of me from his first few years, but it takes time for these type of skill set players. These these very toolsy, very naturally talented. You know, rare natural talents like Isaiah Williams. It takes him a bit of time. You know, you've seen some comparisons to his high is maybe a Brandon Ingram type player. His mid. Uh, mid medium uh, hit rate would probably be like a Rashad Lewis who you know used to play in the NBA you know obviously his four is type of a Cam Reddish but at the very end it takes these guys time to develop and and that's what Zach Kleiman said the night of the draft it's a multi-year process with Zaire Williams but they're willing to invest in it they're wanting him to take the time that he needs to develop so that when he's ready to contribute it's going to be like you hit that 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 speed jump in Mario Kart it's just going to be light years ahead not to take away from the Golden State Warriors, but that's the point. <laughs> they're going to take their time, and they're going to want to develop him to be the best complement to Jaw and Jaron that he can be. But, Chip, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a quick break, but coming back, how exactly does Zaire complement the two cornerstones you already have here? Zaire, in my opinion, is that play right on this roster to be that third significant talent with Jaw and Jaron. How exactly does he complement Jaw and Jaron We'll talk with Chip a bit more about that coming up. So obviously, Chip, the thing with Zaire that stands out is the two-way capability, but also the shot creation. And it's not just the fact that he can find his own shot. You feel like there's good pull-up percentages. You want Zaire to be that guy who stands out because of what he can do off the dribble with his shot. But I do think that that is a way that he compliments Shaw. Jaw can get his own shot. Your confidence in him hitting it right now is not there. With Zaire, there probably is a bit more confidence in the fact that he can create his own shot and hit it. But one of the things that really allows for him to support Jaw is what he can do not only as a secondary facilitator, but a reliable ball handler to let Jaw work off the ball a bit as well. I do think you have a Kyle Anderson type upside in terms of being a facilitator with Zaire, and that's a great compliment to Jaw long term to add wrinkles to this Grizzlies offense. Absolutely, I, taking some of that creation burden off of Jaw, whether it is you know for that player, his, you know whether you know Zaire's trying to create his own shot, whether he's trying to get others involved, just kind of bend the defense, see what kind of good look he can get for someone else. That is important because, I mean, if you you look at it right now, the, honestly, you probably lost your second best just true offensive creator in Jonas Valanciunas. You could throw it to that guy anywhere near the basket, and he was going to be able to get off a good look for himself. I think Dylan Brooks has that ability, and he's he certainly gotten more efficient at it over the last year or so. Um, but beyond those two guys, and one of them is not here, um, you're relying on Ja to create everything uh, for others and for himself. I mean, and he is fully capable of doing that as he put on full display for all of America in the playoffs. But you you don't want him to have to shoulder that entire load. You want to have other guys who can get their own shot. Let Jihad take a break every once in a while, right? And that's what Zaire can do. I actually thought, you know, speaking about a guy we talked about a little earlier, I thought that was eventually maybe by age 23, 24, 25, something that Jaron could do where he flashes it from time to time. Like guys come close out because they know he's a good shooter. He can put it on the floor a couple of times and get to the rim. Start to see more stuff like that. I thought was a pretty key development step for him 
Now, maybe a little bit less so because you add Zaire. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, Sean, there were times at Stanford, he was, he was the point guard. He was initiating the offense. That's what they were asking him to do um, as a freshman with, you know, I, and I think we could, you know, probably talk about all the excuses as to why the season didn't go the way everyone thought it was going to go. But, I mean, I think they, they had minimal practice time. They weren't playing home games for a long time. They didn't have access to their facilities. You know, in San Francisco, it was the, the COVID protocols were so strict that Stanford had to improvise and, and figure out different ways to play basketball games. And so there was a lot going on there. They lost their, like I said, their two starting guards went down. And so when that happened, the ball was in his hand a lot. And there were certainly, you know, there were times that it did not look great, but when it did, I mean, it looked really good. Him operating out of like side pick and rolls, being able to hit the roll man, hit the pop man. He could, I'll tell you one thing I really like too. It's, this is Dylan Brooks-ish, what we've seen with the Grizzlies. We know, Sean, Dylan Brooks can put his head down, get to a spot on the floor that he shot from thousands of times and pull up. And regardless of who's in front of him, as long as he can get a clean look at it, you feel like it's a good shot, you know? that 15-footer maybe at the elbow or right in the short corner. He can just put his head down, get there, stop, pull up, and he shot that shot thousands of times. Zaire did a lot of that stuff, too, at Stanford. Um, Mixed results. You know, sometimes it looked good. Sometimes it looked not so good. But I think he has that potential as a get-to-your-spot guy to be able to get that shot off anytime you want. Um, And so, you know, you you have your floor spacer with Jaron, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. Uh, Grayson Allen. So you're surrounding Ja, a creator, and Zion, uh, Zion, Zaire, um, a potential creator with shooting that's going to open up the floor to allow them to work. And so that excites me. That fascinates me. And that is the modern NBA, what I think is ultimately Taylor Jenkins, what he wants to see, right? I'll give you a, a comparison that if Zaire ever becomes this good, then the Grizzlies are in great shape. I, I kind of doubt it. But it is kind of like, you know, uh, Taylor Jenkins' old boss, Mike Budenholzer, a little bit what he has with Chris Middleton, right? Like, obviously, they've got Drew Holiday. They've got Giannis. Those guys are great creators. But Chris Middleton, that guy was getting his own shot, and he was even creating for others some in the finals. And they are – he is a similar build to what Zaire is. So – when I think creation, that's kind of like the secondary tertiary creation I think of when I think Chris Middleton. And the other thing that I'll say about it is this, is that's kind of a, you know, secondary or, or, or third, you know, wrinkle or, or impact that comes from this Jonas trade, right? You trade away the Grizzlies' safety valve in their ability to produce in the paint. But the reason why you do that is, number one, to give your younger guys more minutes. But I also think there's a philosophical change happening here, and that's a goal for this Grizzlies team, Chip. One or two years down the road, I think the idea is you still want Jaw to be what the defense has to focus on, especially if he can develop his own shot, but what the pressure he can put on that defense getting into the lane. But now to complement that, you've got two guys in Dylan and Zaire who can create their own shot, plus Jaron and Bain, for instance, moving around as your spot-up shooters who could also create a bit on their end as well. So many different versions of shooting distance 
threats. That's the goal with what the Grizzlies are putting together on this roster. I think that's the end result that you're looking for. And you certainly don't want to, you know, water down what Jonas did. But that version of where you have four or five different guys who can hurt you in multiple ways from distance or for creating for others, that's the type of offense you're going to have to have to not only make the playoffs, but advance. I think the idea of adding Zaire to what you've already got in Dylan, Jaron, and Ja is to certainly make a, a offense that in and of itself can create two or three different issues based off what the defense shows them uh, just to that. And now you've also got multiple shot creators and facilitators to support Ja on the court at any one time. Absolutely. No, that's, it, it is the modern NBA, right? You have to, you have to have these guys who can take pressure off of primary, off your primary creator. And that is in theory, what Zaire Williams showed flashes of and what he could be uh, in the NBA. And, and plus he, he is a shot maker. I know the numbers don't look good, but when he's making shots, it looks, that is exactly what you, what you want. Um, out of the modern NBA. You have to have these guys who can take pressure off of your primary creator. In the Grizzlies case, that's John Morant. Um, and then look, John Morant has to spend time on the bench, right? Like <laughs> you need time where Zaire or, Ta- or Tyus Jones or Dylan Brooks or these other guys where the offense doesn't stagnate when he needs time on the bench. So it, he solves a lot of problems and also fits into a lot of different lineup constructions and can play a lot of roles. I think there's times you can just stick him in the corner and he's a great spot-up shooter. Um, there's just a lot of different things that you can do with him uh, that, that gets you excited about fitting into, the, I think, Taylor Jenkins' ultimate vision for what the Grizzlies, uh, he hopes they can play like. And the other thing that comes into it is that we talk about the offensive upside, which I think in the top 10, you truly want to go with offensive type upside. That's why you saw players like Keon Johnson or Usman Garuba or players like that who had more upside defensively, at least initially in their careers, kind of fall in the draft. But Zaire Williams is no slouch when it comes to defense. You just mentioned it yourself. But the long-term goal for this Grizzlies team with Zaire Williams in the fold, you've got Jaw thinking you got him up top maybe. You know, if you don't like him as a point of attack defender, I get it. Maybe you have him off ball. But now with Zaire in the fold, and especially if you were to keep Kyle in the fold, think about it. All that length with Zaire and Kyle or someone else and Jaron being able to support, you know, letting Jaw stay off ball to create turnovers, maybe not have that much of a defensive, you know, workload because of all that he'll have to do on offense. But you've had all that length. All that potential to create turnovers, Melton, for instance, to support Dylan, who's taking on the primary score of the opposing team, but you also have a Zaire or a Melton or a Kyle that you could throw at that primary score to give them different looks to keep them off balance. Zaire adds multiple wrinkles on defense as well, and you mentioned it as well, his ability to be able to guard smaller guards himself Zaire adds a good chess piece to the equation for Taylor Jenkins, who's shown he can do a lot with defensive schemes. Zaire is someone you could certainly utilize as well, especially with his size and athleticism. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, I think you you look at a guy like Zaire and you think, okay, well, he can guard twos, threes, and fours. Or so, You know, you, you see the guy that's 6'10 with the wingspan, and you think, all right, he can guard up. I think it's going to be a while before he's ever able to guard any bigs in the NBA he just he's got to get bigger he's got to get stronger 
and that's fine. Like, you know, most teenagers who come in the NBA, they need to get bigger and stronger. So that's not a knock at all. That's just a fact. But what is fascinating to me is that he pretty consistently guarded smaller, quicker players, and I'm t- they could not get past him. Like, they, they tried. They tried throwing him in pick and rolls, and whatever they tried to do, it rarely worked. Occasionally it did. Uh, but it rarely did. I mean, he, he had a really good success rate with keeping guys in front of him. Um, I actually think that he even flashed a few times where, you know, they'd come for a pick and roll and he's able to get really close to the man he's guarding and just not be screened at all. Uh, I remember hearing Tony Allen talk about it one time. They asked him how he was so good at it. And he just said, hey, just just don't get screened. Do whatever you have to do to not get screened. And I think he flashed a little bit of that at times, sticking to his man and where he didn't, you know, die on a screen or get caught up in a screen. And all of a sudden now that puts the defense into rotation modes and creates a good look. So I was just – I was impressed with how engaged he was pretty consistently on that end of the floor. Like I said, I think his team defense, you know, he needs to probably take some leaps and bounds there. Um, I think he floated a little bit. He lost his man in rotations a little bit. But he flashed some stuff off ball, too. Like, he had some really good rotations. I remember um, – I'm trying to remember exactly which game it was. It was one of their early games. Maybe uh, – man, I think it was Arizona. I believe it was the Arizona game. He actually stepped up in help side um, and – or really just in a rotation and, and, and took a charge at the end of the game and won them the game. Um, and I just I thought that was so impressive for, you know, a, a five star top 10 recruit in the country who is supposed to be the shot creator that he's stepping up, taking a game winning charge. Like, I, I think like he seems to have a good personality, good attitude. You know, I don't know. I don't know Zaire Williams, so I can't speak to that. But from everything you see, he seems like a good guy to be around. And I think that backs it up with the, the play on the court is like, I'm not too good to do any of the dirty stuff. And so. I, I came away that that just that impressed me um, that that impressed me that um, it, he never seemed to be too good to do the little things that help you win games. We all want to make choices that'll make our day healthier, right? You know, we can walk a few miles a day, maybe bike ride a few miles a day, take the stairs instead of the elevator. Now, how no matter how small or big, we all could make decisions to make our day better. Well, that includes what we eat, and one of the better ways to do that is to not only be able to incorporate a tasty snack to your day, but one that's healthy as well, and that's Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Great taste, gives you a great boost of energy, plus allows for you to add health benefits to your day. Have it in the morning for breakfast, in the afternoon as a snack. Whenever you choose to have it, you can actually go to BuiltBar.com and choose from over 18 different flavors that you can enjoy. And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and put in the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Once you make it a part of your day, it's going to be there to stay. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, put in the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. Yeah, that's the other thing that you kind of heard about him. Like, you know, you were expecting for a guy that many had polarizing opinions about, and he was a polarizing prospect, still is. But there wasn't really anything negative that that you heard about him. Like, it it wasn't the same to like, and I don't mean this towards anything like a Jalen Johnson, but there wasn't questions about commitment from what I saw, at least, to the level that you saw of a Jalen Johnson. You got more opinions of how intelligent 
Zaire Williams is, how engaging he is. And that's the thing that stood out to me in the few times that we've seen him talk so far. There is that engaging personality. There seems to be that genuine desire to want to get to work, which fits right in with this Grizzlies core. And the the intelligence that you want from a young guy to make the most of it. I've come away very impressed with Zaire Williams. It's going to take patience. It's going to take time. But the Grizzlies, I feel, are one of the best places for him to get the progress that he needs for him to hit. I'm confident that the talent and the need for the talent matches up with what's already here to give Zaire a good chance to become somewhat relevant, hopefully a lot more in time during his time in Memphis. Agreed. No, I absolutely agree. I, and, you know, I mean, there there are some negatives um, that, that we could touch on, too, if you if you want. I mean, I you know, I don't want to uh, to paint it as like the Grizzlies have drafted this perfect prospect that, that is guaranteed to hit. I mean, there, there's a risk like he he is very slim and he had problems making shots at all throughout last season. It wasn't just a couple of bad games here and there that, that the shot wasn't falling. It was pretty consistent. I mean, he had a couple of games where it looked really good going in. Actually, the first game of his college career may have been his best game against Alabama when he shot eight of 15 um, and, and, and just played an overall phenomenal game. But yeah, I mean, as a guy who was labeled as a shot maker, it is concerning that he didn't really make shots. Um, like I said, I, to me, I always gravitate more towards, did he make his free throws? And he shot basically 80% from the foul line. Um, so that, that to me says he's got good touch. It, the shot will be fine. Um, it was concerning. He, he, it was funny as I was watching, you know, his, his games and going through it. He did not shoot a single free throw until the third game of the season, and he did not have very many games, especially early on, where he shot more than two free throws. So, I think getting to the line uh, is something that will help him. Just like you see, it, every single good player in the NBA is able to get to the line when things aren't going well for them. So I think he could do that. He is really not a very good finisher around the rim or in traffic. I think strength and just kind of experience will really help with that. But right now it's not something that, uh, that, that he's good at. I think he gets pushed off his spot a lot. He takes bad angles sometimes when he's going to the basket. Um, there, a lot of the stuff that you see that I thought he really struggled with in college, I think is fixable. I don't think anything is broken. And I think, so, so much of it is going to come from getting in an NBA strength and conditioning program and being able to add functional core and lower body strength that will, it, he won't have to settle for a 17 foot fadeaway because he can get to the basket and either get fouled or finish it through traffic, right? That, so I think that when you start to be able to do little things like that, you see that, you know, you see a, a field goal percentage that was in the mid 30s start to creep up, you know, into the mid 40s, high 40s, and you start to get a better quality of shot because you're able to get to better spots on the floor. So, um, and and like I touched on a little bit defensively, I think he's really good on ball, but I do think it's going to take a little bit of time off ball. And, you know, he's probably going to have some, like, I'm I'm not going to go as far as to say like, heyday James Harden, where he just was totally disengaged and was getting beat defensively. Um, but I do think he's going to have some moments where it's like, boy, Zaire, you were nowhere near in position. Um, and that's fine. Like every rookie goes through that as they, you know, figure out the NBA. So I, I like him. Um, I don't buy the whole, hey, he could be out of the league in a couple of years or whatever. I, I think his floor is higher than that. 
Um, but it, there's warts. I mean, there's a reason that, you know, a guy his size with his shot making and his defensive instincts, uh, especially on ball, went 10 and didn't go three, four, five, you know. So there, there are things that are that they have to work through. But I think with patience, with time, with the plan that they're going to put in place, they're going to give him the opportunity to work through all that and, and become the best NBA player, you know, the best version of whatever he's got in there uh, as an NBA player. At the end of the day, Chip, there's a reason why he fell to 10, right? And there's a reason why some may even think that he was a stretch to take it 10. There's a bit of a high risk there, and it's legitimate high risk. Like, it's not an overwhelming feeling that he's going to be an absolute stud two to three years into the league. But I do feel like that you have to commend this Grizzlies team for taking the the swing that they did. You have to feel confident with everything that this team has shown that the that the infrastructure is here to support Zaire becoming at least a relevant contributor to this future core and hopefully much more. And you also have to feel that it worked out well. You know, at the end of the day, when I compare a Giddy to a to a Zaire Williams, I think there's similar overall upside in terms of their impact on the game in the NBA between Williams and Giddy. But I do think Williams is a lot more natural fit for what this Grizzlies team needs than Giddy is. The other thing about it is you took that swing while also keeping a lot of your future assets in place to where if Zaire Williams doesn't work out to where you want him to, you've got plenty of other options that possibly could and ways to do it. But at the end of the day, this Grizzlies team, everything that they go through is methodical and calculating. There's a reason why they like this guy and with them picking him, They're going to match their conviction for him with the competence and the common sense to do everything that they could possibly do to set the stage for him to be successful. Chip, with that being said, do you have anything else that you'd like to add? And where can folks find your great work? If you've not followed his work, he's at Chip Williams Jr. uh, At Chip Williams Jr. on Twitter. He's been doing some wonderful, wonderful film work on Zaire Williams. But beyond that, Chip, what else do you have going on in as the fallout of this NBA draft continues to, you know, mount in the coming days? Yeah, no, I, I my plan is to finish up. I want to go through every single game that Zaire played in and just kind of cut the film up for people to quickly watch every game of Zaire, any impact that he had on the floor, right? Because I, I realize that most sane humans don't have time to sit there and watch 20 Stanford basketball games um, in their free time. So I thought I would, I'd bite the bullet and do it for everybody. Um, so hopefully by next week, we'll be through that. Um, I would love to get my hands on as much Santi Aldama stuff that I can and do the same with him. Um, because uh, people seem to enjoy doing this, you know, kind of seeing the clips of, of, you know, true game footage, right? Not just the highlight package that you would find on YouTube. This is the good, the bad, you know, if he's just <laughs> dribbling the ball for an extended period of time and running an offensive play, like I, I'll, I'll include that in there. You get a better picture, I think, than any sort of uh, highlight clip could show you. So, People have really seemed to enjoy that, and so I'm going to try to continue that as much as possible. Um, You never know, man. I I, I might bust out the writing one day, Um, but I think the the film, people have have enjoyed that, so I I think maybe uh, continue to carve that niche out and, and, and see, you know, kind of what else people are interested in there. 
And Chip will ask you this because, you know, obviously it's only been two games at the time of this recording. But when it comes to the Grizzlies Summer League team, you know, obviously we have a mutual guy we're cheering for named Eve Pons from uh, the University of Tennessee. But a couple of guys on there certainly seem to be doing a good bit of work also. Just your thoughts on on that roster and just, you know, just quickly just your thoughts on does anybody stand out as being, you know, a a valuable potential two-way guy or stash guy at with the hustle this year that you could see possibly cracking the Grizzlies roster in the future? Well, one guy that um, probably will never play significant NBA minutes, but I just always have a good time watching Shaq Buchanan. He's kind of, you know, hung around the summer league and around the hustle for the last couple of years. I think, I believe he played with John Morant, knows with John Morant, something at Murray State, there's kind of that connection there. And so, um, I always have fun watching him. So it's anytime he's playing, I'm, you can count me in. But the one guy beyond Yves Pons who I believe is probably going to end up on a two-way, which is fantastic because that's, if, if, if the offense ever develops in any sort of meaningful way, he will be an NBA player. Every, the defense, the athleticism, all that stuff is NBA level beyond. Um, it, it just – what can he give you on the other end? Um, and he, he's made some threes. Like, I think he's three of four from threes uh, through his first couple of games, which is promising. But the, the one guy that I really have my eye on that kind of deep-cut draft people will know is Romeo Weems from DePaul. Um, pretty high-rated recruit. Um, I think he, you know, was a top 50, top 60 guy. Kind of a surprise that he went to DePaul. Um, but struggled – like pretty pretty bad uh shooting like it's honestly not that different from the Zaire Williams thing but he's six seven has a plus wingspan he looks like an NBA you know shooting guard or small forward some sort of NBA wing and he shot the ball really well in game one and, and actually made his free throws in both games which was really promising because it, the the idea I think was if Romeo Weems can shoot that he can play in the NBA. And so I believe they got him on one of those Exhibit 10 contracts, so they have him under some sort of team control. I am very interested to see as the Salt Lake City League, you know, finishes up and then, you know, we kind of go into the real thing with the Vegas Summer League. How does Ro- What does Romeo Weems look like? Because I definitely think that there, deep down, is possibly an NBA player in there. So he fascinates me. Uh, I, if, if people are going to watch one guy, uh, that's not sort of of the main group beyond Eve Ponds because he'll he'll stand out. He's going to catch lobs every game, and you'll you'll notice him. But watch Romeo Weems, number zero. I'm I'm interested to see how he looks with these guys. Sounds kind of like the uh, development track of another guy that wears zero for the main squad. That's DeAnthony Melton. So not necessarily right. sure if the yep if their games are all that similar, but but it'll be fun to see. Listen, it has been an absolute thrill, Chip. I, I certainly look forward to talking with you. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. You can follow Chip's great work at Chip Williams Jr. on Twitter. Myself at StatsSAC. My name's Sean Coleman. Thank you so much for being with us here at Locked On Grizzlies. You can find that at Locked On Grizz on Twitter. Obviously, some great content here. We'll keep it coming over the next few weeks with Summer League as well as any developments that happen, obviously, through free agency as the roster continues to evolve this offseason. For Chip Williams, my name's Sean Coleman. Always a pleasure being with you. We'll talk with you again soon here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.